Is that the laser pointer I see? Is it back already? My goodness gracious, what's going to happen today? Who knows? Who knows? Well, man, how about, uh, what a powerful testimony. And here's what I love about testimonies is uh, it's a legal precedent, right? Remember, God is no respecter of persons, so it's not like, oh, I wish I was one of the special ones. You are. <laughs> because of Jesus, you're all special ones. And so, yeah, when you hear that breakthrough power, it's, it's for you too. So thanks for sharing that, Tim. Super powerful. All right, we are in a series called Heal Like Jesus. And today we're going to look at Jesus using spit in a healing. How many of you guys are ready for the activation for this one? It's going to be so good. Get your mouths moistened. It's going to be so fun. All right. And so uh, turn me to Mark chapter 7. And so we've been looking at, uh, there's 26 different healing stories of Jesus, of him actually taking time and healing individuals. There's many more in his ministry, but the Bible will only record 26 of them. And so we've been taking them one by one. And the idea is we're learning to heal like Jesus. We're learning healing ministry the same way the disciples learn healing ministry, by looking over the shoulder of Jesus, seeing how he did it. And the reason we're doing this is because we're not uh, just observing him to learn principles. We now perform healing ministry the same way Jesus performs healing ministry. As sons and daughters in right relationship with God, Jesus had that. Now we are adopted into that same relationship. I'm not sure if you guys realize you have the same relationship with God that Jesus does. All right, maybe some of you are just realizing it. All right. And we have the same power of the Holy Spirit that he depended on. So now we can do ministry just like him. So you guys ready? All right, Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Again, he left the region of Tyre and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee. And so remember, uh, the miracle before this was the uh, healing of the woman, the Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was demonized. Jesus, uh, remember the whole, uh, you know, I don't give bread to the dogs. Remember that whole thing? And he's, he's drawing faith out of the woman. That was a story right before this. Again, he left the region of, the Tyre, of Tyre, which is a city, and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of Decapolis. And they brought, him, brought to him one who was deaf and had difficulty speaking. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. So Jesus laid his hand on him. No, no, it's not what he did. And Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself and put his fingers in his ears. And after spitting, he touched his tongue with the saliva. Verse 34, and looking up to heaven with a deep sigh, he said to him, Ephaphtha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was removed, and he began speaking plainly. And he gave them orders not to tell anyone, so they listened to him and didn't tell anyone. No, no. But the more he ordered them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. I'm not sure anyone has listened to Jesus when he said, uh, don't, don't tell anyone. And they, were, uh, and they were utterly astonished, saying, he has done all things well. He makes even those who are deaf hear and those who are unable to talk speak, which is actually a quote right out of Isaiah 60, what the Messiah would do, make the, uh, make the deaf hear and the, those who are unable to talk speak. Okay, so you guys get that Jesus is still among the Gentiles here. Okay, he's still in that region. Mark 7, 31, again, he left the region of Tyre and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of Decapolis. So Jesus, he's trying to return back to Israel, but he kind of takes around about way. If we could pull up that graphic here, please. Did you guys get it? I sent it as an attachment. Hopefully it wasn't hit. Ah, ha, ha, ha. There it is. Right here. See where this laser pointing is shooting a laser and pointing? Right here. He's in Tyre. But look, he's, look, he wants to go to the Sea of Galilee here, right? So look how he's taking, though. So isn't it interesting? Instead of just going southwest, he goes north to Sidon, and then he's going to have to take this roundabout way to get there. So that's like saying, you know, okay, from Columbus, we're going to go to uh, West Virginia, by going through Cleveland, right? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. 
right? And so he takes this roundabout way. He's going through mountains. Some parts would be beautiful, but it's mountainous. It's difficult terrain. And, um, and he's, remember, Jesus said, I only do what I, hear the Father, what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see him doing. And so Jesus is obviously following the Father in a way that makes absolutely no sense. I mean, when you look at this geography, why wouldn't he just take the direct route? How many know that following Jesus sometimes is inconvenient and won't make sense? Well, I don't know. I just don't understand this. This can't be God. Well, if you're going to limit God to your understanding, you're going to be limiting God a whole bunch. Okay? And so we don't know how long this trip would take. Some scholars say months. Um, some, uh, some say uh, at least multiple weeks. And, uh, but it looks like Jesus, he's looking for some stillness and quiet. Okay? So in, when he's in, uh, in the region of the Jews, they're mobbing him. They're just thronging him. And so he, uh, when he's trying to get away for a little bit of peace there... And I think it's interesting because in our busy society, it's almost if you're not busy, you're not important. Like if you're not, if you ever ask someone how they're doing, what do they say? I'm so busy. It's like it's the tenth fruit of the spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, busyness. Like like oh, ooh, you're busy, you're important, right? Nobody's like, man, I'm so lazy. I just amaze myself. I'm doing nothing all day. Like nobody responds like that. It's busy. I'm busy, right? And so. I think it's interesting. If, if God were to ask you to take a few weeks away with him, some of you would have a hard time believing that would even be God. Someone's getting the word here. See y'all in a few weeks. No, 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 that's not what I'm getting after here. That's not what I'm getting after here. But Jesus, he needs some time alone. He needs some time alone with these 12 men to impart this teaching to them because uh, in a little while, they're going to be responsible for leading this whole movement when the day of Pentecost comes. And so he's pouring his heart into them. Some of you would have a difficult time not only believing that God would want you to get away, but God may want you to do things not even in public, but just pour into a few people in private for months and months and months. How are we doing? And, uh, and it says, Jesus came within the region of Decapolis. So those of you who've been here for, uh, for this series for a few weeks, you might remember the region of Decapolis. Remember Jesus, he crosses the Sea of Galilee, and he uh, lands on Graveyard Beach. Do you guys remember this story? The uh, gathering demoniac, uh, the man had uh, legions of demons. So that sounds not good. This is not good at all. Remember Jesus cast them into the pigs, that whole deal. And so if you remember what happens, though, so in the middle of the night, Jesus lands in this beach. He's the, this dem- demoniac's naked. He's bleeding. He's got chains that he's broken, all this type of stuff. And Jesus delivers them, this dramatic miracle. Word spreads to this t- the, uh, ten, the capital says 10 cities. People of the region come. And what do they ask Jesus to do? They say, get out, leave. They're freaking out. Remember this? This is their response to Jesus. They're leaving. And remember the guy, uh, the gathering demoniac in uh, Mark 5, 19, he wants to follow Jesus. And this is what Jesus says to him. Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. So he departed and began to proclaim in the Decapolis what great many things Jesus had done for them, and everyone was amazed. So last time Jesus was there, they tell him to get out. Apparently this guy did his job well, because in verse 37 of our story here, and they were utterly astonished, saying they had all done all things well. There's a crowd mobbing him when he comes back. First time, get out of here. Then Jesus leaves an evangelist, almost like a kingdom virus. He begins spreading the good news of what Jesus done. Do you see what one changed life can do in an area of 10 cities? This is a whole region being affected by one man's testimony. This is good news. This wasn't like a political leader. So many people think, oh, if so-and-so would just get saved, they would have so much influence. No, they would have so many things they would have to die to because they're so used to relying on human authority to actually step into the kingdom. They wouldn't have it easier because they have a platform. In order to step into the kingdom, they're going to have to die to a whole bunch of earthly things. How are we doing? 
One no-name, naked, crazy man gets saved, spreads the good news, and uh, first they ask Jesus to leave, and now the contrast, when he comes back, the crowd is mobbing him, and they're utterly amazed. Isn't that awesome? So Christ's reputation uh, as healer, it must have reached the family and friends because it says they brought to him. Uh, We don't know who the they are, verse 32. And they brought to him uh, one who was deaf and had difficulty speaking, and they begged him to lay his hands on him. So um, it's not that the man is mute and unable to speak. It's just that he can make human sounds, but the words just don't come out. Nobody can understand what he's saying. And so the idea here, uh, the, the word in the original language, the New Testament was written in Greek. The idea is he's got a speech impediment. There's something that's holding his mouth back. It's almost like there's shackles on his mouth is kind of the picture there. And it says they bring this man to Jesus and they begged him to lay his hands on him. This shows us that most often Christ's method of healing was laying on of hands. We see so many times that people are always asking Jesus to lay their hands on him because that's how they're seeing him do healing ministry most of the time. And so in Mark 16, I don't know if you guys know this, we're actually told to lay our hands on the sick. Remember, we're to heal like Jesus. Mark 16, verses 17 and 18. Right before Jesus ascends into heaven, some of his last instructions are go into all the world, preach the gospel, and he says this. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. Don't start snake handling. Don't you bring snakes to church trying to live out this verse. This is a picture of divine protection here. Sometimes, just jokingly, I, so I, I, I do things outside the church, and people will say, well, what, you'll find I'm a pastor. What kind of church do you go to? I always say, it's a BYOS church. Bring your own snake. They're like, what? And I'm like, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. I think it's important to know that uh, your hands are loaded. See, when you're laying on the hands, I don't know if, I, if you guys will get this term here, it's almost a sacramental thing. So a sacrament is a means, something human, something earthly that conveys something heavenly. So when we take communion, it's not just a wafer that tastes like styrofoam. Let's just be honest. It ain't good. I mean, I wish we could do communion with like duck donuts or something like that anyway. If duck donuts wants to sponsor this message, we approve. You're welcome for that. It's not that it's just a wafer or some grape juice or some wine, okay? It's actually when we, the, the focus becomes on Jesus or something conveyed through that becomes a means of grace. The waters of baptism, it's not just that they get wet, okay? That when we're doing it as an act of faith, it says there's actually a cutting away of the sin nature. That baptismal tank becomes a watery grave where actually the grace of Jesus is conveyed to you in a way. I want you guys to see this. When you lay hands on the sick, it's not just some rote that we do. Jesus said lay hands on the sick. We're actually becoming an extension of the hands of Jesus because they're not just our hands when we're doing it under his authority. Remember, Jesus operated in authority. It was God's authority invested in Jesus, so he was acting as God's representative. Now, uh, Jesus has put his authority in us. To everyone who received him, to those who called on his name, he gave them the authority to be children of God, the same authority that Jesus had. So as we extend our hands, we become the hands of Jesus. We become the means of grace. Guys, someone please get this. When you lay your hands on somebody, it's never just your hands being laid on them. When you're doing it, understanding your authority and in the faith of Jesus. That was better than your response, but that was good. Is that amazing? These signs will accompany those who have believed. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I want you to just look at your hands and say this. These babies are loaded. Isn't that good news? I bet you didn't know you'd be talking to your hands. Wait till you see what we do with the spit. 
I love how God uses something so natural. Did some of you getting nervous? Good. All right. And so um, uh, I, I want you to see that God uses something so naturally because all of us lay hands on people naturally anyway. When someone is sick, what, what, you know, what do we do? We, we put a hand on their shoulder. Like when someone is, is, uh, is in difficult time, we put a hand on their comfort. It's like our hands are an extension of what's in our heart. I want you to see that. So when you're laying hands, it's an extension of the compassion of God that's, that's welling up in us and the authority of Jesus. It's not just this rote act, bam, healed, Jesus, manifest. Like, like we, we can get so charismatic about these things that we don't actually realize what's happening. And so now we have a chance to pull this back and slow down and see what's going on in the spiritual realm. Think about that. So God takes that which is natural to us, just putting a hand on someone who's in need, and he elevates it into his mystery realm. Mark chapter 7, verse 33, the next verse. And Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself. So they're begging Jesus to lay hands on him, and he doesn't do it. Has anyone seen that God doesn't always do things exactly the way you want him to do things? Like if we're going to be in the healing ministry of Jesus, we're going to see that sometimes, uh, oftentimes, every time that um, it's, it's going to be Yahweh and not our way. All right? I just came up with that one. That felt good. All right? So they're begging Jesus to lay their hands in him, which is how he normally did it, and Jesus doesn't listen to them and takes this guy off by himself, okay? I got to imagine the people who brought Jesus had to be a little bit disappointed. They've been healing about this healer. He'd been laying hands on people, and they're like, do the hands thing, Jesus. He's not doing the hands thing? What's happened? Why is he taking this guy off by himself? And we've got to get used to that too. God is not a genie in a bottle that we give our request to and he does it just the way we want it because we're the king's kids. Here's some good theology for you. Big God, little man. I understand we're the bride of Christ and all those other things, but he's also master and we're servants. How are we doing? There's a story in the Old Testament. There's a commander of the army of Syria. This guy is a big deal. All right, he's, he's over armies, and he comes to Elisha's house, and, he's, and, he, and uh, the commander of the army, his name is Naaman, and he's got leprosy. So he comes to the prophet, and he wants the prophet to do some charismatic stuff and heal him. And so he comes to the prophet's house, and Elijah, D Elisha doesn't even come out to greet the guy. Can you imagine this important person comes to the house, and Elisha um, tells his servant, yeah, go tell him to uh, dip in the river seven times. Go dip in this dirty water river seven times. This guy's offended. He's like, listen. I wanted you to wave your hands at me, zap something, you know, do something, blow on me, do something, right? Like, but take your coat and whack me, do something charismatic. I don't want to go do something like this. Finally, the guy submits to it, dips in the river seven times, comes up cleansed, right? It's totally outside a man's agenda, but he, he does it and he's healed, okay? They ask Jesus to, to fit into their agenda, lay hands, and Jesus doesn't fit their agenda, Whenever God doesn't fit your agenda, it's because what he wants to do will cause astonishment, delight, and leave your mouth hanging open. We've got to have a heart humble enough to say, you know what he wants to do it this way. So Jesus takes this man off into private somewhere, uh, verse 33, and Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself. Are you guys ready for this? And he put his fingers in his ears, and after spitting, he touched his tongue with the saliva. How are we doing here? Now, the last miracle that Jesus did right before this, the woman with the Canaanite daughter, he heals her long distance. He delivers a demon long distance. All the other, all the other uh, deliverances were, um, were up close and personal. And I thought this raised our faith last week when we saw that we can actually do long distance deliverances without the person even being there. That's good. And so um, 
But this one isn't long distance. This one is right up close and personal. So why is Jesus doing these strange things to see this man get healed, right? First of all, why alone? Why not in front of the crowd, okay? Uh, I think here we're looking at the extreme sensitivity of Jesus to this man. Jesus, remember what we saw, Jesus is, has, an, has uh, an amazing ability that he wants us to grow in that same ability of being so aware of what a person needs to receive from the Father that he's going to do something to draw them out of faith. We're going to look at this here. So this isn't just another healing. This isn't just another statistic. We see some of those things, and the crowds were healed, and Jesus healed them all. I love those statements. But Jesus never looked at them as just crowds being healed. They weren't statistics. They weren't a social security number. They weren't uh, just numbers on a newsletter for his ministry. This was an individual. And uh, he deals with this real person who has real individual needs, and Jesus deals with them as a real individual. Now, he's deaf, and he can't speak properly, which means that this man knows that people are trying to communicate to him, and he can't understand, and they can't understand what he's saying, right? So he's, he's deaf, so he can see. So he, when he begins to make these sounds, these human sounds, he gets the reaction of people that they don't see what, what's happening there. And... Um, and he can't even tell people that he knows they can't understand him. So he can't communicate, and this can be very embarrassing. If I can put it like this, blindness is a terrible thing, but a person who's blind can't see the reactions of people to their blindness. Here's this guy's deaf and can't communicate, and he can see people's reactions to them. And so Jesus is being sensitive, and he takes this guy off. Sometimes Jesus is healing publicly. And that's what the Father wants to do. But guys, sometimes God doesn't want, someone, doesn't want something so on display. He wants to heal someone in private, and he takes them off to the side. Can you being, imagine being in front of a crowd where there was no sign language in those days? They didn't have sign language. The person just couldn't communicate. So he hardly knows what's going on. The crowd's going crazy out there. And so if Jesus is trying to communicate in front of this crowd with all his frenzy, it's going to be very difficult. And, uh, and so I love this about Jesus. Um, this isn't just another person in a crowd. He takes the man aside. He saves him from embarrassment. Jesus is the supreme gentleman. I'll tell you one thing that I've seen in the charismatic church, they don't mind embarrassing people. They don't mind doing crazy things and having people do stuff and this and that. And listen, like, man, we just had a, a public testimony that we celebrated. We love that. We never want to use people for their testimonies. If someone wants to share, guys, I guarantee you, it's going to encourage people. Please share. But we have testimonies that I know have happened here, radical testimonies, and we've never asked the person to share. It's their story to share. And sometimes that's the way God's going to do it. He's going to do it in private. I want you to see this. God wants to heal you. I, I, so many people do this. If God heals my back, head, neck, whatever, uh, if heals my disease, then it's going to be a testimony to my children. I've never seen anyone get healed trying to be a testimony for someone else. Jesus is telling people, shh, don't tell anyone. He's not trying to use you for his newsletter. The only time I've seen people get healed is when they realize Jesus wants to heal them because he loves them. Not so that this will be a great testimony for the grandkids. Not so that. Are you seeing that? Jesus is the supreme gentleman. He takes him aside privately. No crowd's going to gawk at this man while he's being kind of embarrassed trying to communicate. Jesus is the supreme gentleman. And Jesus put his fingers in his ears, and after spitting, he touched his tongue with saliva. What in the world is going on here? This, this might be my favorite story so far. I'm being serious. Wait till you hear what's going on here. If you go back through all the miracles we've looked at, we're, we've looked at 15 miracles. 
Okay, this is number 16. If you go back, uh, Jesus does one or two or three things in all these stories, okay? First of all, he questions the person. And the questions that he asks them take their tiny faith or no faith and moves it into healing faith. By the way he's asking questions, he's drawing faith out of the person, okay? We've seen how somehow even in like two or three questions with people, he's taking them from no faith to saying, wow, you've got great faith. So Jesus, he's asking them questions. At other time, he's making statements. He may make a statement to them, and based on the response to the statement, he says, you've got faith right there, okay? It arouses this expectancy within them. Or we've seen on more than one occasion, he refuses them, and apparently he's silent, and in their silence, he's drawing out that dormant faith, okay? So Jesus has these interactions. He's asking them questions. He's making statements, or he's, uh, or he's just completely ignoring the person, okay? So I think we can establish that the method of Jesus is quite consistently, he was always able to work with the person very quickly, drawing faith out of them, okay? He's fanning that faith with these questions, these carefully worded statements, these strange silences. Whatever their father is showing him to do, he was a master at being able to do that and draw faith out quickly. Can we see that as the pattern? Okay? How do you do that with a deaf person? How are you going to ask him a question? How are you going to make a statement that's going to bring him to faith? How are you going to create faith in the first place? These strange actions of Jesus of putting his fingers in the ear and the spitting on his tongue, this is sign language. Jesus is working with this man to bring him to hope. He's drawing faith out of this man just like he did in the other 15 stories. There's no way of communicating with this man except through sign language. You might be thinking, well, Jim, what's so exciting about that? When you have a multitude out there and you see Jesus takes this one man aside and learns and gets from the Father how to communicate how this guy needs to hear individually, that should encourage you that God knows you so well, he's going to be able to get past your defenses and speak to you just how you need to hear it. And he communicates to him in the most ingenious fashion so that the man suddenly knows what's going to happen. And this little faith or non-existent faith, it gets sparked, okay? One of the uh, titles of Jesus is the Word. You know what that means? He is the master communicator. One of the titles of Jesus, he is the ultimate communication. So Jesus is into communication. So whatever the condition of your body or mind or finances or family, uh, wherever you're at emotionally, Jesus is the expert, okay? So how did Jesus do this? How did Jesus communicate to this man? Jesus took his fingers and put it in his ears and drew sudden attention to the man's ears, right? Like Jesus just all of a sudden, he's with Jesus. He doesn't know what's going on. I mean, people, you know, I don't know how they try, how even got him there. They just drag him there. He just takes him and he draws attention to the man's ears, okay? Now I'm reading a little bit here, but I imagine Jesus did this with a smile, kind of an excited smile on his face at what he was doing with this guy. And he puts his fingers in the man's ears, drawing attention to the ears, and is communicating with sign language. See, these are my fingers. I'm going to use these to open these up. He's drawing attention to his ears. He's using sign language. It draws the man to look to Jesus to expect these ears to be open. This is the language this man understands. And then he spits. Now take that look off your face here for a second, all right? Let's go back to the days of the Bible. Do you realize that your saliva has a lot of healing properties in it? Intuitively, you know this. When you get a cut, you lick it. We even have a saying, this person went home to lick their wounds. Why? Because we know that intuitively that saliva has healing properties in it. In those days, people knew there were healing properties in saliva. Today, we kind of forget about this. But intuitively, we know this. And the man knew that saliva was a healing agent. So Jesus, here he's communicating to them, taking a symbol of healing and putting it on his tongue. Jesus takes something to the, that is a, uh, to the man as a sign of healing, and he spits on it, and he puts it on his tongue. So he's drawing attention to his ears. I'm about to open up your ears. 
He draws attention to his tongue. I'm about to open up your tongue. What's he doing? He's making statements in sign language. I'm about to open your ears. I'm about to heal your tongue. Does that make sense? I know you don't like the spit thing, but you know where I'm going with this, all right? If natural saliva could bring some kind of healing to some things that needed to be cleansed and healed, here's Jesus. He's saying, uh, here's this. You understand this natural thing. I'm communicating to you. I'm about to do something there on your tongue. Jesus, the ultimate communicator. He's saying, with my hands, these ears, your tongue, you got it. He's drawing this man's attention. He's focusing this man's faith. What's he doing? He's creating an expectancy in them. He's going to do something in my ears. He's going to do something with my tongue. Then it says in verse 34, and looking up to heaven, what's he doing? This is sign language again. He's communicating um, the healing gift that I give you for your ears and your tongue. It's only coming from God himself. He's directing this man's attention now. Do you see how masterful this is? Jesus often did that when he fed uh, the thousands of people. It says he looked up to heaven and broke the bread. Before he uh, called Lazarus out of the tomb, raised him from the dead. We'll look at that in a couple weeks. It says he looked up to heaven. Uh, we have a friend, uh, Scott Willis. We call him Hurricane Willis. And before he prays for somebody, he'll say, lift up your hands and look up to heaven. That's where your help comes from. What's he doing? He's focusing this man's. This is where your help's about to come from. I'm about to do something in your ears. I'm about to do something in your tongue. This is where the help's going to come from. Do you see the brilliance of Jesus communicating this to this man? And it says, with a deep sigh. So Jesus, he looks up to heaven and gives this deep sigh. It could be translated with a groan from his heart. He gives this heart sigh. What's he doing? The compassion of Jesus. He's helping him see the compassion of God. Often in these stories, Jesus led with compassion. He was moved with compassion. The compassion had been there all the time, but now this guy's saying this is coming from heaven, and there's a compassion coming from it. There's this sigh that he's now communicating. Jesus was moved with compassion. And we've looked at this many times. Do you guys remember how uh, we describe compassion? It's when holy love meets holy anger. It's the holy love of God that says this shouldn't be, and um, that this is not how it's supposed to be. And then it's the holy love of God that comes and says, this will not be. Sympathy just leaves you there. It just, it just feels bad for you. Compassion is going to pull you out of that mess. It's going to see it. It's going to be angered by it. That's, the, that's that holy anger. But the holy love is going to come and pull you out of that mess. Guys, this is how God feels about sickness. Amen. He does not send us disease. We see Jesus, and he groans over that sickness. He's disturbed by it. He's deeply disturbed by it. And he sighs deeply. This should not be. This will not be. Do you see the sign language? I, I tell you, this is just, this, this story just kind of wrecked me this week. Is Jesus doing these things? We, I think we read these things and we just think Jesus is doing weird stuff. No, he's doing exactly what the person needs. You have to understand, none of these actions so far uh, that, Jesus, that Jesus did, none of them resulted in healing. He's just getting this guy ready for the healing. I see people that try to imitate these things to bring healing. And so, uh, boy, it's, it's, it's hard to get in a charismatic service where someone's got deaf ears and someone's not licking their fingers and sticking them in ears and doing all sorts of stuff. That wasn't what brought the healing. That's what brought the attention to where the healing was going to go. You doing a whole bunch of weird things and thinking it's powerful and prophetic is not powerful and prophetic. It's weird and pathetic. You don't have to do weird things to feel powerful. Jesus did weird things because this is what the person needed. How are we doing? I remember I was doing a healing training one time, and I didn't fully understand these things. And I still, I still don't fully understand these things, but I understand them a little bit better. And uh, there was a woman. I can't remember what she had wrong with her, but uh, she's standing. So we're going to pray for her. And uh, we're kind of practicing in front of the class. And this guy who is 
known to do weird things, doesn't attend here anymore, thank you, Jesus. And so um, <laughs> I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> and so um, he says, spin her around. I thought, oh, God, like that, that doesn't feel like we're supposed to spin her around. And so we spin this poor lady around, and, and some of her thinks she had some balance issues, so now she's getting a little dizzy, and no healing happened. Spin her again. Uh, oh, no. Spun her again. And it just got more and more uncomfortable. And I think this person thought that if we do something weird, then it's going to be something powerful. Not always the case. How are we doing? I've never met anybody who's gotten into the ministry of spitting, and I'm thankful for that. And we're not starting it here. All right? But this was a sign. And Jesus was communicating it. And I will say, Jesus may ask you to do some things that seem strange at times, but there's a reason. And it, the reason is for the person receiving Okay? Are we okay? I don't, want, I don't want to shut anybody down from doing something weird. Practice on your friends. <laughs> like, like, don't make your first weird thing that you do, like, on your coworker. All right? Like, like practice in here. Are we okay? Can we, can we say these things? All right? So, I remember, uh, so Smith Wigglesworth had a great ministry of, uh, Smith Wigglesworth was a healing revivalist from the uh, early 1900s, 1920s, and uh, he would often punch people. Like, they would have a stomach tumor, and he would punch people, and they would get healed. And so his followers tried it, and it didn't work. What were they doing? They were looking at the method rather than the faith and the relationships Smith Wigglesworth had. I remember, I was, I was, uh, years ago, I was wrestling with a food allergy. I've been healed of it since then. And um, someone says, Jim, I feel like I'm supposed to punch you in the stomach. I thought, well, I cry easily, you know. <laughs> My abs aren't what they used to be, you know? And so um, I said, okay, you can do it, but it better work. And uh, he said, forget it. And so um, <laughs> here's the thing, guys. When you have a gift of faith, it eliminates all doubts. And so when, so when God's telling you to do something and there's a gift of faith on it, I, there's not always a gift of faith. Sometimes it's give it your best shot and hope. Just, be, just being honest, like, like, like the gift of faith, I've probably had it three or four times in my life. But when I had it, it eliminated all doubt and I needed it because things were so radical. And so if you're feeling to do something and there's a gift of faith with it, you won't be thinking, what if it doesn't work? It eliminates all doubts. Boy, I got into a whole bunch of stuff there. You guys all right? So this was sign language. Jesus was communicating with them. He knows that Jesus has indicated he's going to open his ears. He's, now he knows that Jesus has indicated he's going to heal his tongue. He knows this gift is from above. And then he shows his love to this man by this body-racking sigh. And now the healing takes place. Are you getting that? None of those things that people are trying to use for healing actually got him healed. Okay? And he said to him, Ephaphtha, that is, be opened. So Jesus' heart language, the language that he, him and his disciples spoke was Aramaic. It's still, still language being spoke today. And so you see Jesus on the cross. He's, he's, he's saying things in Aramaic. And so um, uh, it, it's, his, it's his heart language. Mark was probably uh, a scribe that had Peter tell the stories. Peter wasn't a great writer. He was a good old country boy, but boy, did he know how to tell a story. Mark's gospel is just action-packed. And so Peter, he's telling it, he's telling it just how he remembered it. He remembered it. He, did, he doesn't give us the Greek words for it. He tells us aphaphtha. Here's what aphaphtha means, be opened. Notice Jesus didn't say ears be opened. Okay? He looked at the man and said, be opened, indicating he wasn't just healing his ears, he was healing the whole man. Amen. This is a command to the innermost gates of this man's being. He says, be opened. It's like, what good is it for you to have hearing if your soul's still closed? Be opened. He speaks to the whole man. 
Now, Jesus spoke with authority. Jesus didn't say, Father, if it be thy will. That prayer never gets answered. If you don't know if it's God's will, you can't have any faith. And without faith, you can't please God. Well, but Jim, doesn't the Bible say that we're supposed to pray if it be thy will? No, it doesn't. <laughs> It, it, what it talks about in James chapter 3 is it says, don't say, I'm going to go into this city or I'm going to go do that, but say, Lord, if it be your will. He's talking about don't, do, don't presume and plan without God. Ask him what his will is. It's not talking about when there's the clear will of a God. Say, is it your will? So um, the prayer of, Lord, if it be our, thy will, is really saying, Lord, I have unbelief. I don't, know, I don't know anything, but I'm giving it my best shot. Don't do that. You know what his will is. The only time I give you permission to say, if it be thy will, is if you're, I, 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 you, know, you don't need my permission for anything. But um, I've used it one time, and I was in a room full of doubters and haters, and I knew that they didn't believe it was God's will, and so I could either blast them there and go against it, or I could pray what I knew was God's will. And so I kind of snuck it in there because there was a bunch of people watching. It didn't work. But anyway, and so... Um, so Jesus speaks with authority. Faith is understanding authority. When you understand your authority, that these aren't my hands being laid on here. This is an extension of Jesus. That when I say the name of Jesus, all of heaven is backing it up. This isn't me just saying, you know, in the name of Jesus, that's how you're supposed to pray. But in the name of Jesus, no, no, no. I'm, I'm recognizing the authority that's been invested in me through the person of Jesus. So compassion is usually the pathway of healing. It's that deep anger mingled with deep love, and it demands that something must be done. So I'm being moved with, by, with compassion. I'm being drawn to this person. This shouldn't be. But the answer to this is to take our authority and speak to that thing and tell it to move. Let me just put it this way. Stop asking, start commanding. Like, I, I don't know if you, here are 16 uh, stories in. Jesus hasn't prayed for a sick person yet. Oh, Lord, I decree and I declare from the north to the south to the east to the west for a time such as this. And da -da. No, 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 no. Eyes be opened. Ears be opened. Or just be opened. Little girl, wake up. Stretch out your hand. Take up your mat. What's he doing? He's taking his authority and he's commanding it. Jesus didn't say pray for the sick. He said heal the sick. Amen. How do we heal the sick? The same way Jesus did. We're moved with compassion. Guys, a lot of times when I'm praying for people, I love to slow down and just let the compassion of God for this person wash over me. Just see his willingness to heal. This is a real person. I'm not just busy going down a prayer line. I'm taking a breath. I'm, a breath. I'm breathing it in. I'm opening myself up to see if God has, has a way that he wants to do it. And sometimes, uh, sometimes he's got some different ways to do it. Sometimes if you don't hear anything, you have a command. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So if you, if you don't have something different, a question to ask like Jesus, just lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. If you guys get compassion and you get authority, you've got most of the healing miracles of Jesus. How are we doing? All right, stop asking and start commanding. Mark 7, 35. And his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was removed, and he began speaking plainly. Um, some Bible scholars say that the verb tense of this verb, that as Jesus said, be open, these were the first words that he heard. The very first words he hears are, be open, the words of Jesus. At the command of Jesus, the power of God reaches into these dysfunctional organs of his ears and speech and healing takes place. The old King James Version says this, the string of his tongue was unloosed. 
that's the picture. There were shackles on his tongue. There was something holding it back. Some people think there were spasms in his jaw or a misshaped jaw. Whatever happened, um, this thing is loosed, and now he's able to speak plainly. When Jesus said, be open, he took the authority of heaven and commanded it, be opened. His ears were open, and all the shackles fell off his tongue. That's the idea. That's the idea. And in verse 36, he gave orders not to tell anyone. Uh, uh, but, there, but the more he ordered them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. Here's the picture. It's in direct proportion. As strongly as Jesus was saying, don't do this, this is how strongly they were ignoring him and actually doing it. It's just a great picture. Here's a little convicting contrast. Jesus tells them not to spread the good news, and they do it. He commands us to spread the good news, and we don't. Dramatic pause. Verse 37, they were utterly astonished, saying he's done all things well. He makes even those who, who are deaf hear and those who are unable to talk speak. Uh, basically, a direct quote from Isaiah 60 of what the Messiah would do. Look at the response, utterly astonished. Now, there's no other place in the New Testament this, is, uh, this kind of wording is used. It's like Mark takes words and just piles them on top of each other. Here's how the uh, Passion Translation puts it. The people were absolutely beside themselves and astonished beyond measure. What's happening? People here, they're absolutely freaking out from this, uh, from this miracle. All right, so what does all this mean to us today? Um, we've hit a couple of these things. Don't come to God with an agenda of how he has to do it. Okay, if you've seen him heal shoulders one way, it doesn't mean he's going to heal shoulders that way every single time. All right, that's why I said I hope people don't get hold of this spitting stuff because we don't want to have that in the news. Okay. And so I remember that you guys probably heard me tell this story before, but uh, the, the Lord was teaching me this. And so I had kind of gotten into this rhythm of just aggressively someone's praying and this holy anger would rise up and I'd break it off them and things were going pretty good. And so uh, we were at this restaurant with, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 people. And we we're just talking about the Lord. And uh, I said, you know, something weird happened. I seen like three or four shoulders healed this week and shared uh, one about this person who was in a car accident, had this grinding shoulder, prayed for them over their phone. They were healed. I said, does anyone, you know, I didn't have like a word of knowledge. I'm just like, has anyone got any shoulder problems? Well, it seemed like there was like five or six people that had shoulder problems. I was like, oh, all right. So we just stood up there in the restaurant. We were kind of off in the corner. And so um, I'm doing my normal pattern, how I'd seen shoulders healed. And so prayed and nothing happened. Prayed and nothing happened. I'm like, what is going on here? And I felt like the Lord said, um, release peace. I was like, release peace? Like, what's that going to do? You know, and so I just, I, just, I, just, I just said, I just released peace in the name of Jesus. And they moved their shoulder and their shoulder, all the pain was gone and they're moving. I was like, well, that's pretty cool. So the next person, I went and released peace, and nothing happened. I thought, hold on, maybe I should ask the Lord. <laughs> Even though that wasn't part of the prayer model that I was currently operating under. And I felt like the Lord said, the violent take it by force. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. In the name of Jesus, break that thing off, their shoulders healed. The next person comes, and I felt like the Lord, uh, I see a picture of myself. Like, you know, you know, I have your eyes open, and you can picture things. I have my eyes open, and I saw myself reach around this person and uh, draw three stripes on the back of their shoulder. And so I've learned that the quicker you obey, the more power is released. And so I just, uh, I said, uh, hey, can I try something different? They said, sure. Uh, Where are you I said, I went one, two, three. And uh, they said, is that it? I said, I don't know. I said, check it out. She lifts up her arm and uh, she begins crying. I said, what's happening here? She said, 25 years ago, I was thrown off of a horse and my shoulder was so, sh so shattered, they had to remove three muscles. And I don't physically have the muscles to be able to lift up my arm. I'm super glad I didn't know that. I don't have the faith to see muscles removed. God knew that, and so he spoke my sign language. Just do this. Just do what I tell you. Don't ask any questions. All right. So the next person comes, and now I'm wide open to the Lord. I'm like, okay, I have no idea what's happening here. 
And you guys have probably heard the story. And I felt like the Lord said, uh, shoot this person with a laser gun. I thought, oh, God. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to do that at all. And um, my mind went back to we were in this meeting with Andrew Womack, and the opposite of Andrew Womack is Dave Duell. So Andrew Womack, they call him Android Womack. You know, he's, ah, rah, rah, you know, he's just talking, and he's, he has no emotions, and I had an emotion, but, you know. And so he, he's just, like, real calm and, uh, you know, and, and doesn't, he has emotions, but he just doesn't live by them, is his language, okay? So, you know, Andrew, he's real calm. Dave Duell is an absolute madman, and Andrew would bring him in to minister together. And so we're watching Dave Duell, and uh, he ran and le leaped off the stage and tackled this guy and rode him to the ground and was prophesying in his face. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy is crazy. And so instead of praying for people, he would shoot them with a laser gun, but he wouldn't just like do this. He'd go, this is, I thought, oh, oh gosh. And it looked like it was working. And then he started, uh, he's like, hey, you can actually bounce the anointing off a wall. I thought, oh. Man, I don't, I don't know. I don't like anything that he's doing. And he'd like get the geometry. He'd be like, this is, and hit the person, and they're like, something happened. And so I, I, had, I needed some prayer, and Mary's like, I said, Mary, you want to go get prayer? She said, I don't want to get shot. <laughs> I said, you know what? I'm going to go try it. And so I told him what was wrong with me, and instead of the laser gun, he says uh, something that made sense to him. It made no sense to me. He says, we're going to go over your head twice and down your back. I said, okay. He went, and when he went down my back, something invisible kicks my legs out from under me, and I go flying into the chair, and I'm like, what on earth is happening here? So we were talking to some of Andrew's students and like, oh yeah, Dave's crazy. We said, hey Dave, can you shoot the anointing out of a banana? I thought, oh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like any of this at all. And so he's like, I don't know. And so they said some unsuspecting guy was running out of the uh, cafeteria, just kind of like jogging out. And Dave went, shot the guy, hits him, and he's like lost control of his legs and fell out in the spirit in the, in the lunchroom. Like, I'm not promoting any of this. I'm personally offended by all of it. <laughs> so three stripes, wide open. The Lord says, shoot him with a laser gun. All that goes through my mind. I thought, I don't, I don't want to do this. Like, I'm not, I'm not like a laser guy. I'm, I'm more like the Andrew guy, like, you know. And so I said, um, who was it? Oh, my buddy Randy. I said, hey, Randy, um, can I try something different? He's like, whatever, dude. And I was like, all right, this is, the, this is his language. The, the, I think this laser guns are Randy's language because Randy's a madman. And uh, they're, they're finding like gold, there's gold was showing up in their church and gemstones were falling from heaven, all sorts of weird stuff. So this guy's not going to be offended by a laser. And so, um, and so uh, I said, all right, if you're going to do it, go big or go home. <laughs> like, don't give him a little laser squirt. <laughs> and so I was like, all right. I didn't expect anything to happen. He goes flying into the wall and it looks like he's being electrocuted and he comes off. And uh, I said, is your shoulder better? And he went, uh-huh. I thought, I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> Guys, we think we have God in a box. We know how to control God. We've got to check in with him. And he's going to give us instructions for how this person needs to receive. God doesn't do it for our agenda. He doesn't do it just because you did it that way before. And uh, he does it because this is how this person needs to receive. So become listening to the Father, how he wants to heal. And if we hear nothing, lay hands on the sick and expect him to recover. Okay? All right. What really grabs me in this miracle is how Jesus deals with this man as an individual. This guy can't handle being in front of the crowd. He can't communicate like everybody else does. This one needs unique treatment, and God takes him aside. All the crowd, all the stuff, he should be with his disciples, supposed to be getting rest, takes time, and ministers this guy's need. I see God in Jesus, the infinite intensity and interest in this man. So much so that he would come up with a whole language of science to communicate just with this guy. 
Jesus ministered in authority invested in him by his father. Guess what? We're going to minister by that same authority invested in us by Jesus. We minister in his name. We're going to do so in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus, we do so in that same power, and we do so out of that same compassion. Guys, if there's a prayer that I believe our church needs to pray for, maybe without ceasing, is for the compassion of God to be thrown, shown through us. If we can get that compassion of Jesus, so we see these people as they see them, and we can understand our authority. And look what one miracle of the gathering demoniac did. Last thing is we need to learn to live looking up. And I don't mean that literally. But we've got to learn to live dependent upon God, who's the giver of all good gifts. I would urge us as a church to look to God for such healings as we're looking at right now in these, in these stories. Guys, I love it when a headache goes away. Okay? But, you know... Uh, how many of you guys know headaches just as impossible as Lyme disease? It's just from the human perspective that things look harder. God's not like, oh, backache. Yeah, yeah, just give, give him a little shot. Ooh, cancer. Ooh, man, you better power up on this one. No, we live looking up to God. God, I'm in complete dependence upon you. It's you who does this miracle. Same authority for the headache, same authority for the cancer. All right, let's stand for closing prayer. Get some moisture in your mouth. Just kidding. I want us to do something to receive our own healing. If you need healing, you're watching online, you need healing, whatever it might be, I want to help you receive your own healing. What I see so many people doing is they're looking for the manifestation of their healing. So they're looking to feel better, they're looking for something, and when you're looking at the manifestation, you're not looking at the healer. See, all of these signs, they were all pointing to a good God, and so people, they get, they get focused on the sign. Like when you see that exit sign, you're not literally trying to go into that exit sign. The exit sign points to a different reality. All of these signs, all of these healings, they point to a greater God. That's where we keep our eyes. So I would put, maybe put it like this. Say, don't pursue healing, pursue the healer. So faith focuses on Jesus, and we're focusing on his compassion. We're focusing that he already said yes. And so as we're doing this, don't look for the manifestation. Focus on Christ. I want you to see him with those eyes. So maybe just close your eyes for a moment here. We're just going to do a little exercise. I want you to focus on Christ the healer. I want you to feel his compassion that right now he is slowing down and is focused on you. And there's that holy love meeting that holy anger, that holy love that says this should not be, and that holy anger says this will not be. And I want you to just take a moment and just let God speak to you. Just take a few moments here. <laughs>